Well, today we will be reviewing Solo, a Star Wars story. And like all of our reviews, it's going to be spoilerific, guys. So we'll give a few opening remarks here that won't be spoiler, just, just to give you a general temperature. Uh, but based on the box office projections, there's a good chance you didn't uh, see it. Well, I have to say, if you're if you're still on the fence and you're listening to this podcast trying to decide, should I see Solo? One, why are you coming to us for that? But I will say my expectations were so low, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think if you if you liked Rogue One, I think you'll like this. Um, my to those of you who are considering boycotting or who are upset with Kathleen Kennedy or the last Jedi pissed you off. I would say this tonally is right in between the force awakens and the last Jedi. There's just enough familiarity to make it really feel like star Wars. And there's just enough new stuff or surprises or deep canon. Um, some stuff uh, that if you're a fan of the animated series, The Clone Wars and Rebels, this will have a nice surprise for you in the third act. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's it struck a good tonal balance. So end of pleasantries, beginning of spoilerific discussions. <laughs> I will just say <laughs> I heard like it was so cutting and uh, cutting and starting again. I don't know why, but like I got, I somehow, I think because you and I talk so much, I got a majority of what you were trying to say by the the tone of your voice. That sounds about right. <laughs> I liked it. I was like, oh, is, oh, yeah, he's talking about Rebels. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So, Dan. So, Adair. I think I think we can agree that this movie really, you you kind of have to to... Go, you have to live through the first act. It's not a thing that's terribly enjoyable. It's kind of difficult, in my opinion, at least. It was very, very hokey. Um, to get to the second and third act, which were far superior. Until Han leaves Corellia. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's hard. It it, it made me frustrated. It made me upset. Um, but... After that, it almost immediately gets better. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree. Um, but we, we chatted briefly about it last night and how we both had an SMH moment when they gave us the explanation for Han's last name. <sighs> and like, you actually came up with a brilliant way to fix that. Like, it's so simple. Thank you. I thought if, you know, the the exchange with the Imperial recruiter and Han says, I don't have people, I'm all alone. Mm-hmm. If he had just said, if he had just taken a moment, looked down or looked back at the security checkpoint where she, where uh, uh, Kira had just been taken, um... He could have just then looked at him and said, I'm Solo. And he would have said, Han Solo, and typed it in. And that it's still kind of, it's still cheesy, but it would felt a little more organic. And you and it would have been the perfect step into us becoming Han Solo. That would be the perfect first step down the journey as he's getting off the planet and he has given himself the name and the journey has begun. Um, yeah, but the way it happened with the imperial officer, I, I had to suppress actually booing. I I just went, oh god, right? Because yeah, I couldn't be really loud though, unfortunately, because of my sc- my screaming had like people that were like watching you from the screen. It was weird. Yeah, you got to go to an advanced screening, correct? I did. Yeah, I looked out. I got to go on Monday. So it's actually been a few days since I've seen it. And it was really, really hard to not say anything to you. Um, I'll bet. And I found out very last minute. And so that's why I texted you right after I got out of the movie. And I was like, so it just says solo. <laughs> um, but yeah, you like I couldn't even have my phone in the in the theater. 
because they were worried about people like taking it and then they have people watching you and stuff. And so it was really cool to see it that way because I still had no expectations on it. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, the best way for me to see it was just going in there with a lot of people who just sort of, you know, uh, in there to experience a new Star Wars movie to just sort of enjoy it. It didn't feel like any... And no one was, like, super dressed up or anything. It was a press screening. Like, it was cool. Like, it was just nice and had had a good seat and just could enjoy it. And I honestly, not having my phone was kind of fun and um, or not being allowed to, you know, have my phone out was pretty fun just to, like, focus solely on the film. Um... But yeah, so that was that was good. It was really enjoyable, but it's been really really hard not to talk to you about it all week. Yeah, I have I started getting texts and you know, on Thursday. Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? And cuz people know. People know. And as I told my dad before I I went to go see it, they'd have to make a pretty bad Star Wars movie before I don't enjoy myself. Like mm-hmm. I can objectively look at the uh the prequels and say these are not very you know these are not great films by any stretch uh but there are moments within those prequels that i thoroughly enjoy um you know which is why i love topher grace's cut of the prequels into a single film (laughs) i think that's amazing um well i mean like i i I, you can't really beat those pod races oh boy i mean I, I think having pod racing in The Last Jedi would have been amazing. We talked about that. I, would, I, I mean, yeah, we both wanted it, that. Like, pod racing, pod racing's not a bad sport. Like, pod racing is cool. I'll be, go on the record and say, pod racing is like a chariot race that is going 300 miles an hour, and that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it is. And I'm actually, so for me, I think I enjoyed this movie more than I would have because... In the last few months, I've been reading a lot of the Star Wars novels. And so it's really kind of fun because <laughs> there's all these characters and different... I feel like I understand the Star Wars universe a little bit better, but also there's like there's so much interesting political intrigue to things and you like learn about certain planets that you wouldn't have learned about before. And like they in one of the books I read, they explained this crashed ship that's at the beginning of Force Awakens... Mm-hmm. In the, the aftermath that, series, that, uh, no, this that was Lost Stars. Oh, cool! Um, Lost Stars, they're in the ship. And I, when I was reading the book, I actually texted the guy who sits next to me at movies, and I was like, "Wait, are they literally explaining the 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 crash ship on Jeddah right now? Like how it ended up there?" And he's like, "That is exactly what is happening." Yeah, the Star Wars canon has always been a place where even the most minute detail will eventually have an explanation and be expounded upon and i fucking love it um but yeah so i'm actually gonna start aftermath this next month uh but i'm finishing dark darth plagueis oh fun yeah it's been time but then i did like also i did catalyst which is like the prequel to rogue one Mm -hmm. it's all about krennic and galen urso and their relationship prior to Rogue One, which is really, really interesting. And then I read the Rogue One novelization. Um, But Bloodline, which was all Princess Leia uh, when she became a senator, and they're trying to figure out, like, a... Basically, it's just sort of... It's a lot of politics, and it's a lot of... It's an introduction to... uh, to the big bads of Force Awakens... Um, just like that, the whole idea of it. Um, and then also becoming known that Leia is Darth Vader's daughter. So it's been very, it's been very interesting to read these books. And so I think I liked this movie more because it, it felt like I was reading one of those books. That makes me very happy. Um, and I think that this movie had just enough I'm not going to call it deep canon, but canon treats. There was, mm-hmm. you know, not like a 21-gun salute from the canons, but... Um, Damn, I was, like, trying to think of a good canon joke. Right? I I tell Cameron on Star Trek when we get an episode on the meth generation, when we're watching an episode of Star Trek that is 
introducing some big moment in Star Trek that will have lasting implication and we'll come back to again and again. I call it getting hit by the cannon cannon. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. But this... Um, no, this movie had just enough little Easter eggs. Although, <laughs> um, the gold dice wore, yeah. wore just a little thin on me because The Last Jedi was so recent. Um, yeah, and that became a thing again. Yeah, it's Jedi. like, I mean, the, the, the dice were always there, but it was never something he played with or messed with or, or but talked like, about. They, they were just made there. such a point of it at the beginning. Yeah. I was just like, really? Really, dude? Really? Yeah. And I think that probably is part of what wore on me in the first act. Like, it's just, eh. Yeah, I think, uh, I, gotta, I have a rewrite about the dice we'll get to later. But, oh. um, yeah, anyways, um, you know, like always, we'll dig into some character deep divey stuff. So at Dare, I think the thing everyone's wondering about, I'm sure everyone is worried about, is how, how did Donald Glover do? I, I yeah, just, I think that's I definitely, everyone's that. just thinking, Donald Glover, he's on thin ice in the world he could right be, now. He could be the weak link, you know? I mean, the guy just never delivers. Yeah, so. that is that is very true. Uh, no, Don, I want a I want a standalone um, a standalone uh, Lando movie like no other right now. I want it. I want it. Like honestly, I think for me, there was actually a moment where you know you're about to meet Lando, and I I let out an audible sigh mm-hmm. because it had been kind of painful. Up until I think the scene on the yacht, but uh, the yacht spaceship where you're reintroduced to Amelia Clark, yeah, um, who we can talk about later. But uh, I think, I think for me, knowing that he was coming, I felt like I actually said, I think, okay, the movie's getting better, and now like we're we're out of that rough patch because <laughs> it was it was moderately painful. I was like, okay, space pirates, all right, and. And a lot of let's murder a woman to to get to get some sort of reaction out of people because that's what women are there for. Uh, Deadpool too, but yeah. So seeing Donald Glover was amazing. Everything like he was perfect in my opinion. I have no notes on him. He was funny. He it felt like he was taking it like seriously as far as like he, at the character d- didn't seem like he thought he was ridiculous. And right. all his like up until like the closet of capes and his like Lando chronicles yeah. and his very <laughs> yeah and his very intense relationship with his his droid, which was wonderful and such a surprise for me. I loved that. Um, no, I have I have no notes on him. He he felt like how Lando should have should be. He gave me actually a lot more love for my for my favorite. Star Wars, OG Star Wars film, Empire, because it made me love, like, all of those scenes a lot more. Well, and I think they did the character of Lando a service by having him run off at the end, by having him be a cheat at cards, by having him not, you know, help Han out in his hour of need, so that when he does help out in... Return of the Jedi, it's it's a bigger it's a big deal for that character. Like I was definitely thinking about that though, how he kind of he comes forth after he betrays Han, and I was like, this seems like you know par for the course. But then I don't know, like beginning that. Sorry, my dog had an itch. Um, but that that definitely felt it mattered more to me afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I think that. They, down to pitching his voice and his intonation, he mirrored Billy D. Williams while just oozing the charm and the brash confidence of a younger Lando. Like he was La- older, mm-hmm. Lando was smooth, and Donald was he he was smooth, but he was still young, and you could see the 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 confidence and the arrogance leading before the game like you know lando meets 
meets people and it's it's just the perfect amount of charm and he knows just what to say. Younger Lando here has to talk himself up a little bit before easing into the charm. There's still just this tiny bit of insecurity there. So it really did feel like the same character, but just earlier in their process of being Lando. I agree, and I think that was kind of, I mean, in a way, that's what you get with Han, too, which I won't go fully into, but, I mean, it's interesting to see these two characters and how in, when when you're introduced to them in the original Star Wars films, I mean, they're both really pompous guys, but they have bragging rights, and they have a, it seems like they have, like, a reason to be pompous, whereas in these situations, it kind of doesn't feel that way. Yeah, it's definitely the building of the legend. Like, after the Kessel run, when he says, you know, 12 parsecs, and Chewbacca roars at him, and he's like, well, if you round down, that was perfect, because that's so Han, to just, to, like, exaggerate and build a little bit of a legend about yourself. Um, But, yeah, Lando was, Lando was exceptional. Perfect casting. I would love to watch... um, honestly like an hbo series that's lando because you know he's you know pansexual and doing it with every kind of species just going crazy including that droid uh lend lanta yes lend lanta i'd watch that i'd watch that in a heartbeat i bet the soundtrack (laughs) is dope oh don't say that um (laughs) No, so I it's for me, I really I have no notes to improve upon him. I I feel like there was just so much hilarity and also sincerity. Oh man, I'm rhyming. I'm a poet and I know it. Um No, I just I felt like there was just everything about his choices as a character were were great to me. Good. So, so Dan, speaking of the, the building of legends, let's talk about your, your numero uno. I was so goddamn worried about Alden Ehrenreich. I was so, so worried. From the initial casting to the first trailer, I was like, they sure didn't show much of him. Oh boy. But with the second trailer, I, I felt a little bit more okay with his exchange with Chewbacca and... He's like, oh, what do you know? Um, seeing that dynamic a little bit more on display, because so much of Han is playing off of Chewie. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that right, you can get more of it right. And I was worried. I was worried. But when when it opened, when it started, I definitely was like, oh, okay, Space Aladdin, what are you doing? Um <laughs> But from the point, and and I and you know, and giving it credit as an origin movie, he has to start from somewhere where he's not the character that we know. He's not there yet. I get that. Totally okay with that. So I I did cut the first act some slack of like, this doesn't really feel like Han yet. I can see it pretty much in his smile, in his smile and the scheming, the like you know the taking of the the clothes and putting on the cap like. There's a rogue in there. There's he's got a knave, a knavish streak, and so when he hooks up with um, Beckett and Val uh, and uh, what is it, uh, Rio Durant, uh, John, John Favreau, yeah, four-armed fucker. Once he starts kind of trying to latch onto them as a way out and seeing an opportunity, I was like. I see the I see the gears turning. I see the smuggler. I see the smuggler happening before my eyes. Like he's seizing upon an opportunity and it's all there's this this larger, you know, super objective over the top of it of like I got to get enough money to get a ship, go back, save Kira and, you know, and then we'll live our life. But all the little choices, all the compromises, all the survival techniques along the way get him so far away from that actual goal, you really see his character developing based on those choices of, yeah, I, I'll do illegal things. It's not a problem. Yeah, I can do a dangerous job. And like, no, I'm, I'm willing to improvise and be scrappy and get in the thick of it to, to get along, to get, to get by. And while still telling himself 
the fantasy of going back and rescuing her as like how to get to sleep at night. And I, it, it made sense and it worked well, but when he really shined was as soon as they got, uh, as soon as we got into the card playing with Lando, I was like, Oh, he's, he's kind of getting there. He's kind of getting there. But the, the best moments for me were when he, when they were all leaving the, the mine, uh, to get the Craxium or whatever the hell it was called, the, the space MacGuffin stuff. Um, when they were all shooting outside of the Millennium Falcon and there was this shot of Han, Lando, and Chewie all shooting outside of the Falcon, I like got choked up for a second because it was so, it was <laughs> so perfect. Um, just as far as the look, like that's when I was like, now he, now he looks like Han. But the moment he became Han Solo was when he shot Beckett. When he shot Beckett, he was Han Solo because he's doing the right thing. He's doing the good guy thing. He's, you know, helping out the folks with the, you know, the, the Raiders and whatnot. But when he shot Beckett, I was, I like did a little right in my seat because that was the movie had done its job. He had become Han Solo. No, I love that. I feel like, uh, I, I wouldn't say, Han was my favorite part of this film, but I was really impressed by the end with how he how he became it. I think this that is something to kind of keep in mind when you see this movie is he isn't going to be exactly Han. And uh, I I think I felt he was being a caricature of Han Solo at the beginning, and that was really frustrating to me. But by the end, I, as I saw the progression of it, I felt like it was more of like a growth. But it didn't make it easier or more palatable to see the first act of the film. But I do feel like he was doing a lot. For me, I did. I think I realized like it doesn't feel like there's a Han without their without a Chewbacca. And so, really, yeah. that fight in the mud is when I started to relate to what I was watching. Yeah, that, and that dynamic really. I you know I think they they picked a great way for them to meet. It worked. I, well, and I mean in the books, Han was I, th- I feel like he was I feel like he wasn't a soldier. He was a pilot, but um, I could be wrong on that. But he does he's always rescued Chewie from the Empire. Like that was always a thing. Um, so when they put him down with the beast, I just sort of turned. I I, I looked at the person who was sitting next to me. I said Chewbacca, and they were like, "Who are you? Why are you talking to me?" I was like, "It's okay, you're all right. We're gonna be okay." And then I pat them on the hand. And no, then they that's ran when away. You, that's when you tell them that you were invited as part of a Make a Wish thing, and then they'll yeah. be nice to you. Always yeah, exactly. play the Make a Wish card. I've done it seven or eight times. I was gonna say it's so easy for me. Um. So I would say, like, I really, I was surprised by his his role and how he played it. I, I was pretty happy with it by the end. I think he really did feel much more like Han Solo. And I, I, I mean, I, I kind of laughed because I was like, ah, oh, Han shot first at the end. But, yeah. I mean, you see that, you see why he's so harsh, though. And then it's very interesting because you know where they're going after after that last final scene, like, you know exactly where you're going to find him next time. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me. And I, I really do love it. And so I have to agree that he was a really great part of it. Surprised me so much, like how much I enjoyed that. But yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. He went from pretending to being, and I think that was, that was what it was. Like it was this, it was an air he was trying to put on to trick people and get by. And at the end, he just was. And it was like, there you go. There you go. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. So. But it wasn't all sunshine and roses. There were a couple characters yes. that were a little bleh. Um, who, who um, either through circumstance or actual character, uh, who, who were you not a, a fan of? Uh, well, well-worded. Uh, my issue was not necessarily the character themselves, but the circumstance in which they were put in. The thing that disappointed me most was really was uh, Tandy Newton, who I love. I I love her 
in most things. I, I think she's a really talented actress. She was wonderful in Traffic. Was it Traffic? No. Crash? Crash, thank you. The thing that happens after Traffic. The thing that causes traffic is Crash. Huh? And there you go. No, I was just thinking about the image, uh, the, the poster image that I used to always see uh, with her and Matt Dillon. And so, I don't know why. That just, that's just all that's there right now. But, I mean, obviously she's developing more popularity, too, with uh, Westworld playing Maeve. I think she has she does an amazing job in that. Uh, and, you know, I recently rewatched Mission Impossible 2, and she's kind of a bright spot in that film. So, because <laughs> that movie sucks. I like Mission Impossible films, but that one's pretty much the worst. Um... So I really got excited about her. I love that she was very hard to please. She's uh, she's Beckett, uh, Woody Harrelson's lo- uh, like love interest, but mainly partner. Like they're very much they're yeah. a really great pair. They they really complement each other well as as partners. And but she's very hesitant about letting Solo into the group, and ultimately she sacrifices herself in the first act. And so you don't really get to see much of her. But you, except in the trailers, and so I feel like you you get this expectation that you're gonna have some really strong female characters in Amelia Clark and in her, and you don't even get to have her for a majority of the film. And so I kind of had a bit of my issue that I had with Deadpool, where it's like women are used as as something to. Uh, I'm I'm getting tired of women being used to like incite obstacles for the men in the film. And I felt like that was sort of an issue again in this film. Uh, a little less with Amelia Clark, but it did make me very, very sad because I thought uh, Tindy Newton is just such a talented actress and she has this very strong sense of like she's worldly and she knows what she's doing and she takes no, no shit from no one kind of thing. And so I was very bummed out that she died in the first act. I... You know, actually, she really she died in the that weird little intermission we had between the first and the second act. But I I really liked her. I thought she could have had a lot of potential. But I also understood that they were trying to create a team and to bring in Lando. You needed to kill Rio and Val. And I thought Rio was kind of like a fun little addition with uh, John Favreau being a weird little monkey person who sounded like he <laughs> should be on Car Talk. You're not wrong. He did. He did sound like that. That is a very astute observation, uh, and I give you full credit for it. Thank you. I appreciate that, Dan. I uh, I agree that it was a shame to lose Val so soon. I think it avoided being as outright a, a fridge situation mm-hmm. because a her relationship wasn't with the pro- the main character, the protagonist, and b we got rid of Rio at the same time. So I think what they were attempting to do was be like forced family forced family it's like so let's let's use circumstance to drive these characters together rather than motivate them towards vengeance or or whatever else um or incite an emotional reaction out of a, a leading character so it wasn't the same but it was still a waste it no, was, I totally agree, though, that that's why they did it. Yeah. And by the way, when you say forced family, let's not confuse that with forced family because the Skywalkers are just a train wreck. They're not so, in this either. So. No, <laughs> they aren't. Uh, so, so, yeah, uh, I agree, though. It was much more to clear it. Uh, I guess for me, I didn't feel like they needed to clear it as much as they did. But... Yeah, I I also felt like if that was really what they were doing, they didn't need to make her a love interest. She could have just been a partner. Yeah. And that was my issue. And so it made a lot of the things that happened. Because Woody Harrelson, I felt like, was a really... I was not surprised that I really enjoyed Woody Harrelson in this film. But I feel like there are some choices he makes in the film that I did question if part of it was because of the death of Val, which I don't want to ever question that. If someone has this character trait, I just want to assume it's their character trait. And like, that's the person they are. I don't want to assume for any reason that it had to do with this element of the plot earlier on. Yeah, I guess it's a fine line between motivational currency and 
manipulation. Like, at what point is a character's death a justified story plot point, and at what point are you attempting to manipulate your characters or the audience for for the sake of ease and convenience? And I think, I agree. I think that would be a a simple fix to make it less friggy if she's just part of the team and there is no love dynamic, then it still sucks, but it's less, oh, poor Beckett because his girlfriend died and his girlfriend is this disposable accessory and more, ah, poor Beckett, he lost his team and that's hard. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't. And I think that would honestly have been a little more devastating. Yeah, more devastating. And it wouldn't have had the the knee jerk reaction, I think, that a lot of us will have of like, are they fridging? Are they fridging? (laughs) Because isn't that the true question? Yeah, that is. I mean, they were in a lot of, they were in a lot of cold weather in that scene. They were. So, so yeah, um, well, Dan, we've talked about what upset me. Can we talk about, was there any character you just really felt was either underutilized or just not properly done? Um, I, I enjoyed Paul Bettany's look as Dryden Voss, and I liked the idea. I loved getting into organized crime in Star Wars. We really haven't got to sink our teeth into it outside of animated series, and it was a joy to be in that world um he was he was just a little one note i think was the only thing was like i'm crazy and i'll kill you i'm a british psychopath and it 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 worked but he had enough screen time where it started to grate where it just started to like irritate me a little bit where i was like oh come on yeah, I get it. You're scary. Like, let's, okay, okay, yeah, you're scary. Oh, they're going to die. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, I think the, I I would have liked a scene, just to give him a little more dynamic range, where he had um, a hollow call with his boss. And we didn't see the boss, but we got, like, a little hint of the boss. And to see him, like, humbled and scared would have been, a nice, a nice contrast that would have made his insane demeanor a little more justified besides just, well, I'm a gangster and this is what gangsters are like. They are crazy. I agree. Like he, he had a cool look. Like he I was did. really into that. Uh, I, I will say though, I didn't know he was in this. Oh yeah. Well, he was cast late yeah. when Ron Howard came on. Well, c- well, cause they, he, he pulled in that Da Vinci code favor. I remember how I cast you as the albino in the Da Vinci Code and your career skyrocketed from that. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, no, I, I mean, I knew that. And I guess like the character was originally CGI or something like that. But I had no clue he was in this. I didn't see him in any of the trailers. I, I mean, I wasn't looking for him. But I did. I found his dynamic with Kira very interesting. Yeah, Like, it was sort of hard to completely figure out what was going on, but I was okay. I kind of liked just not everything being spoon-fed to me and explained. And yes. Because there was, and I think that is something I do like about the standalone films, because with, when you get those reveals in the, in the trilogies, like with Last Jedi, spoiler alert, Ray's parents are just, like, scavengers like they're not anyone important and that's like that's like this huge reveal and it's kind of awesome because you're just like okay well cool glad that we can just create a whole a whole story for her um but everyone is disappointed too but i like with amelia clark's character kira where you really don't know what happened to her and she's just you find her and she's very sophisticated but she has this very bizarre dynamic with him and I really liked that dynamic. But other than that, I, I really could have done without him because I, I felt like he was only good when he was interacting with others, like in that way, where there was this clearly this longstanding history. I felt like I love Paul Bettany. Do not get me wrong. Uh, the man he has is, vision. He is my favorite. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's vision. I, I actually went, wait, vision? Um, when I saw him. But. I uh, I mean, for me, he's it's all about a night's tale and him as Chaucer, because uh, he's amazing in that. But I will never understand why people like a night's tale. I'm sorry, I just I I do not like that movie. 
Um, you're not a, you were never a teenage girl, so I can't really explain it to you. That, that is exactly what it is. And I, I, that is exactly what it is. Because like, really, like you've got Alan Tudyk, you've got Heath Ledger, you've got, uh, Paul Bettany and. Don't you have, uh. And you've got David Bowie. Well, isn't, um, oh, the. And also Shannon Sussman is pretty cool. The, the, uh. Baratheon kid. So Robert Baratheon is you. in it, right? What? Isn't Robert Baratheon in it too? Uh yeah, he is. He's Rowan. What is he? What is he rowing towards? Uh, you know, a future. I actually made a really great Knight's Tale joke uh, about getting something sent back to me in the post from the post office, and I said it was it was weighed, it was measured, and it was found wanting. And because <laughs> There wasn't enough postage on it, <laughs> and I got applauded for that. Um, but yeah, so I would say, yeah, he was pro- he was pretty disappointing because I do have a fondness for him, but I don't know he. I think based on what I know now after seeing the film, uh huh, there was a lot more they could have done with him. Side note, uh, he was originally going to be played by Michael Kenneth Williams. Hmm. Yeah, but then scheduling stuff didn't work out, which I think would have been cool because then the scar would have been uh, natural. There you go. Um, wait, wasn't Michael Kenneth Williams already cast as him, but he couldn't do like the stuff once Ron Howard came on? That's exactly what happened. They had to recast okay. because they redid all that. Because and Mike, But when Michael Kenneth Williams did it, it was... Uh, more of it was CGI. Uh, like he, I'm not he, sure. Um, I don't. There was I didn't like a C- mockups, so I don't know. I think there was a CGI aspect to it. Um, I'm just making sure that I'm. Yeah, cause yeah, cause he's a. Uh, he was Omar on the wire. That's how I know. Yes, yes, he it's was. Literally, that's the only way I knew that. Um, yeah, which I think that would have been really interesting, and I do love having those characters. But you know, Ron Howard. He likes to bring in the people he knew. He he knew, he knows, uh, his brother, you know, all of that stuff. So, enough with the bad. Let's talk about what was pleasantly surprising about this, because that's hard with a Star Wars film. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I'm going to ask you, Dan, what was, your, what was your wild card in this film? I was pleasantly surprised by Amelia Clark's portrayal of Kira. I had no expectations for that character. I was like a girlfriend, the proto Leia, if you will. Um, but I didn't know what I might actually get from the character, but I really enjoyed her story. I loved that at the end she flew off and left Han. That to me was perfect it was great. They could do another movie if they wanted to. I would totally be okay with that. I would come back to this. Um, but, and she was half of my biggest nerd moment in the whole thing when Crimson Dawn's leader was revealed to be Darth Maul. I was like, <gasps> and it was so awesome. It was so great. <laughs> it was so great. It made me so happy. And I was like, yes, canon deep cut from the animated um, shows. Um, but she, yeah, no, she was great. They switched she, up the voice of Maul, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. It was a little, yeah, it was a little, little different, but it was, I was just so happy to be like. Um. My wild card not being Omar from The Wire, but being L337. I, you know how I love me some droids. And I thought that Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was fantastic in that. I loved her role. I felt like I hadn't been this happy since Rogue One at the introduction of a new droid. She was great, and I loved her... Um, I loved her energy. I loved how she was causing little rebellions. I, I loved how she's like, I'm creating a distraction. I loved her relationship with Han. Just made me really happy. And I actually thought like she and Amelia Clark, to talk about your wild card, I feel like they had a fun moment too. 
Oh yeah. Like in the in in the cockpit. Talking about boys. And that's all I got. I'm very happy about droids and childhood friends and Wookiees and John Favreau monkeys and I miss your voice so much right now, Dan. I'm here. So I'm here. I know you're here. I just can't hear you. Well, will you give me your rewrites for this movie? How would you how would you rewrite this movie? My thanks uh, yeah, so I, I'm happy to give you my rewrites, Dan. Good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I would say my biggest things were maybe having Val and Rio, having it be much more like a sibling dynamic between the three of them rather than it being a relationship. Because I get the reasoning. There's a line of like, you know, you don't want to die alone or you don't want to be alone. And when Rio dies, he says it again. And it sort of kind of reiterates, though you wouldn't really expect Han to be that kind of person. That's kind of what he, I mean, he's searching for Kira for a majority of the film. Like, whether or not he's with her, he's still trying to search to find out what's happened to her. So I would say, um, have it be more just of an adoptive family, less of a relationship, because that death felt really hard. I would have liked a little more inkling towards the, the like, the space pirates, basically, I would have liked a little more foreshadowing about who they were. I thought that was a nice little surprise. But I I kind of, I feel like it would have been nice to get a little more time with that group of basically scavengers. I thought Aaron Kellyman, who was like the leader, was very surprising. And I really enjoyed her. She hasn't really been in much and I liked that there was a... I like that both C-3PO and R2-D2 in, in their human versions are in this film. I thought that was a cute little fan service thing, but not super obnoxious. So I would have liked that. I would have honestly liked maybe one more scene with just Han and Chewie. Because I found when they were in the cockpit and you figure out that Chewie is actually a very good pilot and everything. That was a really great moment. And I think their fight scene was a great moment. And their scene where they're on the ship was a nice moment as well. And so I would have liked like one more where it's just the two of them. Uh, Whether it be like after the death of Beckett where they're just, they have a conversation or something as they see Kira's ship go away or something like that, I think that would have felt like a little more... Soli- I wanted one more scene to solidify this dynamic between the two of them because this is they are a team and they are a team we know so well in this universe. And I would have liked a little bit more of that. I would have liked a little bit more expansion on the character, uh, the character of Dryden. I so your I feel like your notes on him make sense. I think that it would have been nice to sort of see who he who he answers to. He's such like a I, I he was an interesting character though, especially in that he kind of felt like a child. It, I mean, it, it reminded me of Kylo Ren, where his emotions were very volatile. And I liked that, but I would have liked to see that how he would have re- responded to a superior in that situation. So I would have liked that. I would have liked to cut a little bit more of the first act off. It felt like it was silly, but almost a caricature. And so that was really hard for me to watch. So yeah, those are those I would say are my big my bigger notes. I would love more Lando. I would love more L337. I would have liked it if her, she kind of like became like Gideon in uh Legends of Tomorrow or something where she she was the voice of the ship rather than them being like, "Oh yeah, she's showing us a map of how to get out of here and stuff like that." Because I I definitely I would have liked to hear her voice again. I thought her death was it, it didn't feel finished to me. It so was I would have liked, totally premature. Yeah. Totally. I, I agree. And we know she comes back, like at least in the novel, she's there. So I would have liked to, I, w- I, I would have liked at least to see like her, her brain to come in 
And so, like, just to hear her voice again, to, like, have, like, a little bit of relief. Because it felt weird, because you know she's, like, in the ship then, but you never hear her. And I, I like when ships talk myself, so I'm okay with that, especially if they're a sassy British woman. Oh, yeah. That's so. the only appropriate voice for a ship. Uh, but yeah, so those are my notes. What are your notes, Dan? How would you rewrite this? Uh, we already talked about how I want to fix and change his name origin. Um, other than that, I would get them out of sort of galactic Fagin's gang at the beginning. Uh, I didn't think that was necessary for them to be with Pro- Lady Proxima. Um who I like to think is the mom of Proxima Midnight. Um, <laughs> um, but if we could uh, kind of nix that and just open with like a heist. I just want Han and Kira stealing something and then trying to get off world and then him promising to come back. Like we don't need the orphanage shit. Like that is all explained. We just expect it, you know. And then I would cut the bit about his dad working in the factory. I'm like, if your parents are long gone, I don't want to hear about them. Quit wasting my time. Um, and I would give us just a little more time with L337, which spells out leet, I just realized while I was looking at this. That's leet speak for leet, uh, which made me happy. I was like, that's a nice little nerdy deep cut. But what 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 else do you expect from a standalone Star Wars film? Right. Um, and yeah, that scene with Paul Bettany uh, talking to Darth Maul would have been great because when Darth Maul finally showed up, it was amazing. I actually, I don't know if I want the foreshadowing or not. Uh, maybe I'd, I'd just like an, an just an auditory call, and you don't really see the hologram at all. Maybe just yeah, like just a gloved hand. Yeah, cause, and then uh, you start questioning, who is this voice? Yeah, right? And it's like, oh, he's working for the Empire. But then when we see Maul, we go, nope, he's working for that vivisected motherfucker. I had a moment where I was just like, wait. And I, I kind of did the whole timeline in my head. And I'm like, he's dead. <laughs> no, no, he is not. <laughs> um, But no, because I mean, I'm just, I think I'm in like such such intense Star Wars territory at this point where I'm reading it, I'm watching it. Like, I just, I have lost track of where I'm at in the timeline because in Darth Plagueis, they just introduced Maul as a baby. It was very weird timing. Um, when you finish Darth Plagueis, you can join in on the internet rage that Snoke was not Darth Plagueis. Yeah, that honest, okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I actually totally thought he was. Yeah. But it seems clear that he's not. Uh, so, Dan, do you have a, an alternate title for this? Solo, a Kathleen Kennedy story. Because bitches on her own. Fans are being vindictive about this movie, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. But uh, Yeah, you know what? I was pretty happy about it, too. Yeah, and it, not my favorite, but definitely not my least favorite. No, above I, yeah. above the the uh, episode one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd put it in Rogue One territory. It was good. Yeah, no, I definitely would. I would say under Rogue One, but for me, above. I think it might be above. Uh, it's probably above Return of the Jedi for me. Oh yeah, that's not. Or hard. sorry, not Return of the Jedi. Sorry, Last Jedi. Oh, okay. I keep mixing them okay. up. Oh, anywho. Um, well, I feel like there is only one title that can be used for this film. Which is? The Kessel Run. Yup. Yup. Because, I mean, really? And I get why they didn't do it, but I wish they had. Yeah. It would have made sense. Yeah, it would have. Um, but yeah, so Dan, there's some more movies coming out. We are, we are... We are balls deep in May. We are. And which means we are about to be in summer season of of the them summer blockbusters. They may not always be uh, thought provoking, but damn it if they're not entertaining. Yeah, we're gonna keep the uh crime and heist theme going with 
Ocean's Ocho. I will always call mm-hmm. it that. I will never call it Ocean's Eight. Uh, and then we're going to stick with the, the family theme and do uh, The Incredibles 2. And then we're going to get back into CGI monster territory. So all elements of Solo with I, I was like, I, did you practice this? Because that felt no. very well done. Let's just right off the, um, right off the cuff. Uh, Dan, what is your what movie are you most looking forward to this this summer? Um, honestly, I just saw it. I just saw it. Well, I consider Solo oh. my movie of the summer. So, okay. Well, if we <laughs> took Solo out, then what movie are you looking most forward to? The Incredibles two. The Incredibles two. I am excited about that. I am. I have. I have a lot of hope for it. We'll see what happens, though. Well, you can uh, check back here for our Ocean's Ocho thoughts. Uh, and uh, So, yeah, we, you can check back in, hear how we felt about Ocean's 8. Actually, I think I get to see Ocean's 8 a day early. <gasps> you lucky minx. Yeah, and just the life I'm living right now. You and that so guy who sits next to you at movies. You know, it's nice that he follows me around because he's getting me into some sweet deals. What a useful stalker. I know, right? Don't we always hope like our stalkers are going to be useful? Yeah, like so a rarely stalker are with they. Like, good tickets to the to the Spurs or something. Yeah, I'll pretend like that's a thing that I care <laughs> about. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Dan, I uh, I will catch you another time and. And uh, you know what? Keep keep slowly clapping after every film. I will always do that as I vehemently rewrite them. That was a great sign off. That was amazing. A Secret Weapon Production.